Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former D3 student athlete and co-host... Ryan! Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. There is always plenty to run through, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Team Anders' goal is to serve its clients in finding the home that best fits their needs and make the process simple and fun along the way. They are a team of people who will be in close communication personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. Team Anders has served thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. 48, no, make it 49 games later, and a day to rest, the pod is back. Yes, you heard it. Ryan and I sat and watched, at least a part, Maybe even just a few seconds, but a part of every single tournament game Thursday through Sunday last weekend. By the way, CBS, can you please not put your Sunday night games going on till 1 a.m.? It's ridiculous. And actually make it 49 games. I don't know if Ryan caught any of it or not, but a shout-out to the Hope College women, Ryan's alma mater. Finished off a stretch of 77-1 with a two-years-in-building national championship over Wisconsin Whitewater. Congrats. It was really cool to see a lot of those girls who Ryan went to school with and knows well, and and being a basketball parent, I feel like I know well. Uh, great weekend for them. Great weekend for NCAA basketball. I mean, there's just so many, so many good things that we'll unpack in the pod today, so much so that we don't really have too much golf to talk about, although there is the match play this weekend, so that should be pretty cool. Um, yeah, so... Let's just dive right into it. Ryan, we're going back to podium style, so the lectern is yours. I'll completely flip it and make it quick. We'll talk football, Detroit Lions. We all know the Lions have the second pick in this year's NFL draft. Um, You know, is it going to be Aiden Hutchinson? Is it going to be Thibodeau? Is it going to be Kyle Hamilton? Are they going to trade down? Well, now there's a new name in the mix at number two, and that is Liberty quarterback Malik Willis, formerly at Auburn, then transferred to Liberty. Um was good and they think he's got the tools had a huge pro day today and it was on the nfl network scouts are drooling over him and there's an article just on the athletic says is malik willis a reality at number two for the lions you better believe it i don't think that's a good idea if you're the lions none i wouldn't draft a quarterback in the first round of this draft um We'll, we'll get to that here in, in about a month um when we do our, our draft thing but i just don't think there's anyone i mean unless you're a team that absolutely needs a quarterback. There's not. It's there's no one worth it, and it's not worth taking a risk at two for a guy that's probably going to be a backup for at least two years, and then you never know what's going to happen. He's like Trey Lance. I mean, a guy that didn't play great competition, and look what he did. He was hurt and didn't do great when he played, um, and he's probably not going to be the starter next year because they're going to bring Jimmy back. Um, so, so interesting stuff there. And if Lions take Hutchinson at two, I'm not going to be a happy man either. Um, Hopefully he'll go one, and that won't even be a, a conversation. But we'll get to that later. Just wanted to talk about that. Something switching gears, not not basketball, because that's what this podcast is going to be. It's going to be hoops. 
Yes, it is going to be hoops minus our tee up. We'll get to that in a minute. And I am going to go first. So if you listen to the pod regularly, you know that a couple months ago, I think it's been now, we had Hall of Fame High School Michigan basketball coach uh, from my alma mater, Forest Hills Central, on a 24-year head coach there. Then he took two years to become an official, reffed some lower-level college basketball even in two years, which is pretty remarkable to be that good that fast to get some college games. Um, And then now as an assistant coach for the Hope men's team. So I had to ask him. Ken, what did you think about the officiating this weekend? And true to form, because he was an official, and he gave us great insights on that podcast. If you um, need to go go find it, you know, in the description of our past podcast, because it is worth a listen. It was really insightful. You know, his his quote, and I've got just kind of like the text back and forth. His quote to my question was. Um, so funny. I was just talking to someone about it. I think they have been amazing. The officials in general, that is. In his opinion, 98% of the calls have been right, even in slow motion. But the only ones people talk about are the two out of 100 that are questionable or wrong. It's actually driving me crazy. Makes me want to go to Twitter showing all the good calls. Um, And he said, I assume you might see otherwise. So that kind of made me rethink it a little bit. Um, I was definitely beating the same drum of people like, it's awful, it's horrible. I then actually shared with him an article from The Athletic where they talked to the head of officials for the tournament. Specifically, they asked him three questions, which he wouldn't touch two with a 10-foot pole, and the other one he did address, kind of, sort of. And his quote was something like 96%, upon review, 96% of the calls from the refs were right. And if you factor in no calls or calls that probably... I guess shouldn't have been made, I think was in there. So like the questionable calls in general, it was 90.5%. So 90% accuracy, not bad. But but the problem is, is the three things, and there were other, and I'm not even going to get into the Michigan State-Duke game because I can guarantee you with Bo Borowski on the whistle, Michigan State started each half with four fouls on the board, even if they were invisible. That's how bad he is. Hell, Michigan State had three fouls in three seconds. Am I arguing those were fouls? No. Ryan made that observation during the game. But they're not fouls if they're not also fouls on the other team. I'm really tired of certain coaches and certain teams getting calls because CBS, first of all, wanted an Izzo, you know, Shevsky matchup because of the all-time matchup, most matchups between head coaches, blah, blah, blah. That's another story. Back to the officials. The three calls in question. The technical foul in the Illinois game for swinging on the rim. I'll say that in the Duke-Michigan State game, and I really had no problem with it except for if you're going to call it in the Illinois game, this was definitely technical in the Michigan State game. Their big guy does a pull-up on the rim and kind of grabs his, you know, what, male area, swimsuit area, if you will, um, and showboated a little bit. Not a T. I honestly have no problem with that. However, in the Illinois game, when it mattered, it was a six-point game, Freshman makes a dunk, swings back on the rim so that he doesn't pull a Nick Isley and fall flat on his face. Anybody who's from Rockford should know what I'm talking about. And he gets immediately teed up, completely changes the momentum. Houston, not to say that they wouldn't have won because there was lots of time left at that point, but changed all the momentum that Illinois had just fought back to get game over. I have a huge problem with that. You know, Ken's reaction was that ref probably immediately realized as soon as he teed him up that he shouldn't have, but he couldn't take it back. Please, you got to get that right. In the heat of the battle, get that call right. Err on the side of it's not showboating, because that wasn't. 
Call number two. This one's a little bit more debatable. I get it. Um, the North Carolina um, Baylor game. North Carolina is up 25 at this point. The Manimal, Brady Manick, throws a high elbow on a box out. Certainly egregious. Clearly, I don't think he meant to hurt him, which is really the definition of a flagrant two, but he meant to catch him. And honestly, because Sochan was being a prick, <laughs> to be completely honest, and getting away with it. They eject him, and he had been white hot, like scored something like 11 points in a row, had 26 points, I think, at that point, and there's 10 minutes to go. He's gone. Shortly after that, somebody else fouls out. Next thing you know, that game's going to overtime. Could, should it have been a flagrant two? You could argue that with me, but in that situation, an official needs to make a better judgment call to say, is this gonna, is this really going to stop what's going on in the game? Because no, it stayed chippy. Or just give them a flagrant one. It's the same penalty on the court. It's the same shots, you know, maybe with possession as a flagrant two, but you don't lose a player. I have a real problem with that. That's a judgment call. I get it. But in the heat of the moment, again, you've got to think, even though quickly and even though on your toes, big picture. The third and the absolute most egregious, and if I was a Horned Frog fan, I would be pissed till my grave. There's no way Arizona did not foul on that trap. I showed the video because Ken hadn't seen it, and he's like, oh my gosh, that's a foul. Did they have a foul to give? And I said, no, they didn't have a foul to give. It was double bonus. Tie game, clock winding down, and Arizona almost scores miraculously. They didn't quite let it go at the buzzer on the dunk. Otherwise, it wouldn't have gone to overtime. Arizona wins. Who knows if he would have made one, two free throws. Who knows if Arizona would have made a desperation heave. I don't know. But you do. that's a situation where that was a clear foul, and then you swallow your whistle? Bottom line is, I get it. Officials are human. I get it. We look at the stuff that screws our team. Ken talked about this in that podcast about, you know, are we complaining about calls the other way? We certainly weren't calling, you know, complaining that, you know, about Michigan State calls no calls versus Duke calls no calls. But the bottom line is, is this what you get paid for? This is a huge tournament. Stop making it look like there's a fixing in some of these games because most of the beneficiaries at the points in time were the seeds that do CBS and the TV better. I'm just saying. All right, that was a long-winded podium, but I had to get that off my chest. Speaking of get it off my chest, we've talked about this one in the podcast before. For our tee-up, I'm going to take this one on 100% because Ryan would have steam coming out of his ears and and I don't know. You have steam. I don't know how I still don't, but. Can we just quickly discuss what in the hell the NCAA is thinking by letting a biological male in? Dude, you want to cut your schlong off. You want to dress like a woman. You want to put on makeup like a woman. You want to say you're a woman. Knock yourself out. Don't talk to me about it because I think it's completely immoral and wrong. That's another topic for another day. But you are not, not allowed to compete against biological women. And I do have a skin in this game because even though Rachel, my daughter, is not Division One, she's a D3 swimmer. I know how hard she's worked since five years old and how hard these girls who are Olympic caliber must have worked to be at the top of their game, to be D1, to have a chance to win. And this thing with a rudder comes in and wins the 500. Made it look close and I will argue till the cows come home, sandbagged the 100, sandbagged the 200 to make it look like, well, I'm not that much better. You were a male for the first 21 years of your life. 
Just because you take estrogen and you're trying to knock down your testosterone doesn't mean you have a physiological advantage over women. You are killing women's sports. Feminists, where the hell are you? Where are you not defending the very thing that you fight for every day? And you want to fight for LGBTQ, LMNOP, ABCDEFG rights? Fine. Not when it comes to sport. I got a great post sent to me today by my buddy Chris. I'm not going to read it because it's super long. It's a Facebook thing. I'm sure you can find it. And it compared some of some of the greatest female athletes and their accomplishments and their times in sports like swimming and track to what males would be. And the female versions would be ranked anywhere from like 600 to 3,000th. And it's the same in swim. This dude, yes, whatever his name was, Will, this dude was like ranked 462nd as a guy. And then like that, number one as a woman, no way. NCAA, don't give me this, well, we equal rights. Equal rights are a totally different thing than pissing on the work and the heart and the blood and the sweat and the tears of actual women. When are we as a society going to get our head out of our ass and get this right? Strip him the medal. Thank you, DeSantis, for declaring the winner who was from Florida, even though I think she went to UVA or goes to UVA, the actual champion, because that's the right thing to do. Stop trying to kowtow to everybody and like, oh, we need to be included. We need No, it's women's sports and it's men's sports. If you want to create a whole nother category for transgender, knock yourself out. Women should not, men should not be competing as women. Period. Period. At me all you want, you will never win that argument with me because you do not have a leg to stand on, while Leah had three legs to stand on. All right, now let's get into the more fun part around the world, which is going to be all basketball this week. No offense to the, was it still the Amex or the WGC match play, which I think is going to be fun to watch and is going to be really good. I haven't even, I haven't even done my research on on that at all. Um, I think that's going to be fun to watch, but I think. The last weekend's stuff deserves all five spots. So, Ryan, as we talked, this is the way we're going to do it this week. First spot, we won't necessarily you know, talk as much and maybe in depth about the games, although we could. But I want to focus on the Big Ten. Um, and then I want to go kind of region by region, talk a little bit about how we did, what we saw happen in those regions, and kind of let's take a forward look ahead. So I'll give you the mic first because I've been talking here for a while. Give me just... Whatever your four one one, your rundown, your thoughts, your concerns, your whatever, anything that's on your mind with regard to the Big Ten and another epic failure in the tournament. The Big Ten should be concerned because there were nine, and now there's two. Um, and the much maligned ACC had four, and there's three. Yeah, still yeah. Duke. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Duke, UNC, and then um, Miami. Um, and then Notre Dame had a good shot at it. I mean, it's it's gotten yeah, I guess they had, it's gotten to a point. I mean, Michigan State's the last national champion, twenty twenty, or I'm sorry, two thousand, um, twenty two years ago. Um, probably not going to change. I mean, unless Michigan, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Or I mean, Purdue has a shot, I guess. But um, it's just it, it, it's getting to a point where there's a glaring issue, and I think it's officiating. I think that the games in the tournament are different. Differently are officiated more are officiated differently than than Big Ten games. They call a lot of touch fouls in the Big Ten. You look at these games, I and mean, there's 35 plus fouls in a lot of them. You know, free throw parades, 
stuff like that. What happens to Purdue if they don't shoot free throws against Texas? They probably lose by 20. They shot 47 free throws in that game. And they were probably Big Ten officials officiating. I think Cyclops was doing the game, DJ Cartinson. Yeah. Um, just like Bo was doing our game with Duke, right? Exactly. It's just, I think it's officiating. They, they let these guys play. The Big 12 is more physical. The ACC might be more physical. The SEC, that's not the same thing. They had terrible tournament. I mean, they only mm-hmm. have, what, one team left? Arkansas? The one <laughs> right. they didn't think would be alive still? Um, ridiculous. The other thing that I'm going to throw in there, and maybe you're going to get to this, I think speed. Because if you yeah. look at the ACC, maybe maybe say speed and athleticism. I'm sorry, Wisconsin fans, aside from Johnny Davis, show me somebody that's really, truly athletic in the sense that we're talking about for basketball on your team. I'm sorry, Purdue, minus really Ivy, what, how athletic are your best players? Michigan State, okay, a little bit more athletic, I would say. You know, like Gabe is actually pretty athletic, but Joey's not athletic. Michigan, where Diabate, yes. Houston, maybe. Where else? Not. Indiana, bunch of plotters. Maybe Trace Jackson Davis. Iowa, yeah, the Murray Twins. But, I mean, we're talking like one or two guys. Like North Carolina, watch them. Watch them in the Sweet 16. They beat a very athletic Baylor team because they are very athletic and big. So I think the Big Ten is just still stuck. It's kind of like football, right? Like Ohio State's the only team that's broken the mold in football to compete with the SEC because they go out and they get the kind of guys the SEC gets, which are big, fast, athletic dudes. And the Big Ten has really great players. Don't get me wrong. Kofi Coburn, Edie, Williams, Ivy, uh, I'm missing Johnny Davis, um, you know, Kenyon Murray, or not Kenyon, Kenyon's the dad, Keegan Murray. I mean, there's a lot of really good players in the Big Ten, but are those guys like Smith from Auburn, who's freakishly athletic, or the athletes, the huge athletes Arizona has? No. But I agree, Ryan, the officiating is a huge part of it because. I mean, night in, night out, we watch it. I lament about it with my buddies on group text when we're watching Michigan State game. It's like foul, 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 foul. I mean, it's ridiculous. It kills the game anyway. And I, I get it. Fouls are fouls. But there's a point that you guys have to realize that guys are bigger, faster, stronger than they were 10, 20, 30 Even years five ago. five years ago. I mean. and, and adjust the game. Um, I, I think those are two huge issues. And it, let's just unpack maybe... Kind of team by team, real quick. We don't, you know, then we if we talk about them again in the in the regions. But I'll throw them at you one by one, Ryan, and give me your kind of your thoughts on on how they did. Let's start with the playing games. Rutgers. Rutgers played Notre Dame. Great game. Yeah, ran out of gas. Stupid turnovers killed them. They made Ron Harper clutch again. Um, tried to save them, and yeah, you know, they couldn't because Notre Dame was played better than them. I think they're probably the better team. Yeah, but. Notre Dame, and Notre Dame very close game on. On Sunday, too, in the um, second round of the tournament. How about Indiana? Yeah, I mean, they played well against Wyoming. Obviously, more screw job. Physical than Can they, we talk about that? Then they had to fly across the United States of America. The, the NCAA wasn't ready for their party size to travel from um, Dayton to San Diego. No, Portland. Uh, oh, Portland, I'm sorry. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? You, you aren't prepared for both teams to win. All right, cool. 
Just like they weren't prepared with Colorado State didn't have travel arrangements on Thursday or on Tuesday for a Thursday first game of the tournament against Michigan. Uh You're going to tell me that Michigan didn't get a little bit of benefit of the doubt. Three o'clock in the morning, they left a little after 3 a.m. Dayton and got to Portland, I'm presuming probably 3 their time, um, and then played the next day or day and a half later, I guess, Mm. um, against a a team that was on the West Coast. Um, and were completely out of gas because they they fought and clawed for what maybe the first fifteen minutes and then they just yeah, got obliterated. Just I almost don't. I discount that as a Big Ten poor performance because Indiana had the the deck, deck stacked against them. Started with playing in a play-in game after they ended up having a better overall season, even if not a better regular season Big Ten record than Michigan. And yet, where are we now? So let's just jump right into that one. I don't want to touch that one with a 10-foot pole because that pisses me off as much as Leah Thomas and the third-leg swimmer, Michigan, and the draw that they got. Yeah, I mean, anyone that says they didn't get a really good draw, you're, you're kidding yourself because it it's a fantastic draw. You look at the other six seeds. Alabama, who faltered down the stretch, yeah, I mean, but it would have been a tougher game for them, more athletic, bigger, played in a better conference. Texas. Chris Beard is one of the top five coaches in America, in my mind. A great defensive team, a team with athletes, veterans, all over the board, guys that have been there. And almost beat Purdue. And then LSU, a team that, you know, it's kind of the same as Alabama, was not great down the stretch, but coach. also really athletic and seasoned and has been there in the tournament before. And Colorado State, they fall, I mean, they had a great, what, they probably only had five or six losses. Great. They play in the Mountain West. Did any team in the Mountain West win the last, a you game? You gave it to me, Ryan. When's the last time the Mountain West had a, has won they a tournament? They haven't won the tournament since 2017 or 18, and it's one game in the first round. They didn't win a game. San Diego State, L. And then let's talk about the other three seeds that are in the tournament. And, of course, Michigan couldn't have played Wisconsin and Purdue. That's that's right. a rule. You can't play I mean, you look at a, you look at Texas a, Tech. Texas Tech, who by actually, by the way, it should have been. Michigan was the last 11 seed, so they were the last team to get a bye. So they should have probably played the best six seed and then possibly the second best three seed. So they probably should have played the first best, which was Texas Tech, where they played Tennessee, who... Athletic, good team, good but the team, SEC, but, as we saw, is as fraudulent as the Big that, Ten. That relies heavily on you know defense and freshmen and you know freshmen. They, I mean, they play great. Kenny Chandler's a heck of a player; he's gonna be great in the league. But they didn't make shots. They missed wide open three after wide open three. And you know, Eli Brooks. Credit to him. That dude is. He doesn't want his career to end. He's played. He's played fantastic the last two games, and he he willed them to win that game. Now, don't even get me started on Dickinson. Caleb Houston put up a donut in that game. He's been terrible. And how about the the announcers saying that Jones drove himself under concussion protocol from Ann Arbor to be with the team? Now, maybe they had that wrong, but I'm just going on what I heard them say. That's Ryan was in concussion protocol several times in his basketball career. I can tell you, they weren't going to be handing the keys to Ryan. So, either Michigan really did something wrong, or somebody's lying, or he didn't really have a concussion, although he did get knocked out after getting knocked in the head. So I think they're better with Collins, that, to be honest That with theory you. is maybe out the window, but I, I just I really struggle with Michigan getting gifted. Yes, you have to win the games in front of you. I get it. I understand. They played really well in both those games, and they won them, but their path was made easier. When then it they just, had to play. Villanova's a great team. Their tallest guy is 6'8". Right. It's a bunch of old dudes. Yeah. 
Maybe they'll beat them on their craftiness. All right, so we'll get off the Michigan thing. Michigan State, um, I'll start. I will say, of course, I wanted and I thought Michigan State could win. I certainly thought that they could win. I didn't think that they would win, and, in fact, I thought they might kind of get run. The score is not indicative at nine points. I mean, it was a game down to the last minute, and Michigan State had that game, you know, against Duke. Um, Fought a lot of other demons there, but I was really proud of the way that they fought. They played Davidson well. Joey Hauser had a career game. You know, Ryan, you kind of indicated you're hearing some rumblings that he might come back. That's the that'd be a welcome thing for Michigan State, as much as my boys know that I whip him harder than almost anybody except for maybe Hogard. But Hogard played really well. I mean, I thought guys really stepped up. Davidson was a tricky matchup for Michigan State because they're such a good three point shooting team. They shut out Egg Roll. we knew Foster wasn't really going to do much. I mean, he had a couple threes, but he didn't do much. Their big guy was pretty good. Yeah, he's um, but, I, you know, that that run ended where it probably we expected it to from Michigan State, but I thought that they played um, well with the draw that they had. Could they have beaten Duke and then maybe gotten Texas Tech? Yeah, maybe, but, you know, it is what it is. I'm not as disappointed um, at this point when my team is out as I usually would be. Um, I don't know if you got anything else on no, they left it. Right. You can't be mad about it. I mean, Marky played really well. Left it all out there. I mean, what it comes down to is Duke has five NBA players and Michigan State has a half of one right, right now. Yeah, and Max maybe. Max is not an NBA player right uh-huh. now. And he, and, made I mean, a two huge Bingham probably could play overseas maybe in the G League, but Michigan State doesn't have really any pros and Duke has five guys and mm-hmm. probably three there are going to be you know, top 20 picks in this year's draft. Um, and that kind of just, you know, when Michigan State got that lead and um, you know, just they're, they're better. They, they, Michigan State ran out of gas, and Duke didn't. I mean, they that's that's really what it was. Push game comes to shove. It came down to talent. They're, yeah, and, and they're a better team. But I mean, more talented. Not. I think Michigan State was the better team. I think Duke had better individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, I would agree with that. And that. I, I mean, that. they don't share the rock at all. And um, Michigan State played really well as a team. I mean, weathered the storm with their three point shooting, and it was spread the wealth. You know, guys made big plays. Hall was persona non grata, which is concerning, and that needs to be addressed and fixed. Figure out what his role is and, and help us expect the, the right things out of him, I would say. I think we've, we've been so teased with seeing great things that we expect great things all the time. And you know what? He does do some of the other dirty work. He took a huge charge late in the Davison game. He hit the floor hard against Duke. I mean, I get it. I don't I don't want to I don't want to disparage the kid because he's trying as hard as anybody. I I do get a little bit pissy about Max because he's a top 20 guy and show me another top 20 guy that struggled as much Caleb as he Houston. did. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like you look at, you know, what's his name from Ohio state, which, we which he's Max. top 40, you know, phenomenal and a huge difference. Now Max made some big plays in the second half, but then he had it's his body it really is. brain fart of a three when they could have gotten to the rack and maybe gotten an and one um, at a 10 minutes or so to go in the game. And then just another, I don't know what the he was thinking turnover late in the game that basically sealed the deal. So, uh, speaking of Ohio State, you know, I thought that um, they showed a lot. Buckeyes showed a lot. It definitely helped them to get guys back. Can we just talk about CBS like panning to the crowd to show poor um, Kyle, Young. Kyle Young's girlfriend, you know, baby mama crying when he went down with his fourth concussion in the last twelve months? I mean, come on, have a heart, CBS. I know you're all about the you're tugging at the heartstrings. That's just rude. That's rude. That's a private moment. She's upset. That's how her you know probable husband, definitely baby daddy's career is going to come to an end at Ohio State. 
in a game that they were fighting hard against Villanova. I, I have a real problem with that. Like, stop with your made-for-TV garbage, some of your crews, some of it, like, whatever. Um, I thought Ohio State feared about as well as you would expect. Like Michigan State, right? They're, they're a sound seven. They played really well defensively against Loyola, who I didn't pick Ohio State to beat them in any of my brackets, to be honest. Um, and they just dominated a really good Loyola team, and then they struggled against Villanova. It's, it's kind of like Michigan State in their draw. Um, that was my take on Ohio State. Ryan, what are, you, what are your thoughts on Purdue? Yeah, I mean, they look really good against Yale and against Texas. I mean, they shot free throw after free throw after free throw, but, you know, they, they look good. I mean, you, right now they have a great path to at least the Elite Eight and then maybe the, the Final Four. I mean, UCLA is going to be no... No slouch. And again, or, or haven't North been Carolina. to the Final Four since 1980. Haven't their best ever. chance they're going to have in a while. I mean, because Ivy's going to leave. Edie's probably going to leave. Stefanovic is a senior. Williams Hunter's is a senior. senior. Williams is a senior. Never ever won a natty. It's crazy. You, that's I don't think they will. Um, I don't think but, they will either. But but yeah, I mean they they look good. Um, you know. How about Wisconsin? Disappointing, um, but we can Well, I, we, we said kind it of for a long time. Right? I mean, what you said they'd get a high seed and they'd probably lose early. Really, could have lost. Could have lost to Col- Colgate or Colgate. Yeah, they yeah. looked terrible. The toothpaste for most of that game, and then Iowa State just you know played great defense. on Johnny Davis, another horrible performance. I think that injury, you know, was more so than we thought. Maybe yeah, ankles. Um, you know, that's tough. Didn't he? Didn't look like he was as explosive, but still, I mean, he's like went like five for twenty from the field. Horrible game, and they lost. And I'm not. I'm not sad to see Brad Davison's career, and I'm not his 20. Are we sure he's not coming back for an eighth year? Well, he'll probably find a way, but I'm. Thank goodness he's gone. Um, All right, so from one dud to another, then Iowa. Illinois. Well, let's talk about Illinois first. Illinois, another disappointing thing. Brad Underwood, the last two years, had really, really good teams, and he hasn't gotten out of the first weekend. Finally, figured out in the second half of the second game to bench Curbelo. Yep, who's uh, uh, not good. Trent Frazier was rough in the tournament. Chattanooga should have gotten them. Chattanooga really should have got, gotten them. Um, Kofi just – you can't have him be there. It, it's it's hard to win when your best player is a post. Michigan's getting away with it right now, but it's going to bite you in the ass. It really is. It's not – like you look at Gonzaga. They have two great post players, phenomenal post players, and then just guards that can shoot the ball all around them. I mean, Texas Tech, defense – Duke, I mean, they have, like, forwards that are good. North Carolina, they have good bigs, but also seasoned guards. Right. UCLA, guard play, forward play, wing play, Purdue. And Frazier's good, but he struggled down the stretch. Plummer's good, but... Didn't play great. Didn't play great. In the Illinois freshmen showed me something in that last game, though. Goody and Melendez both played really well. That's the future for them, but, I mean, they're going to lose Frazier. They're going to lose mm-hmm. Plummer. They're going to probably lose Kofi. Um, might lose Curbelo. Um, they lose Grandison. They lose Williams. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of guys. Big Ten turns an awful lot over. Big Ten is going to be interesting. I mean, the transfer portal is growing as we speak, um, so there's there's potential, but it's it could be rough. Let's save the the worst for last. Iowa. How did I not see that five twelve coming? Team that lives and dies on offense alone doesn't usually do very well in the tournament. And push came to shove, and they couldn't hit threes. Now, I will say, this is actually one I forgot to point out in the officiating podium. They got screwed. I mean, they refs blatantly flat-out missed a foul on Murray on the arm. Would have been three shots when Iowa was down three inside of a minute. I mean, good free-throw shooter. Would he have made him out? Again, who knows until he does it. But 
Like that was a blown call. And then I think I want to say later they had, in the same game they had another thing that was really just egregious. But still, I mean, Frank Cano has not made it past the second weekend ever. I mean, Iowa can celebrate, yes, that they won the Big Ten. It's been a long time since 2006 and whatever. But I'm sorry as a fan. I mean, I love it when Michigan State, you know, has won the most Big Ten tournaments. Michigan State's won a lot of Big Ten titles overall when Izzo's been there. The Final Four still means more to me um, than, you know, than just winning Big Ten championships. And maybe because Iowa doesn't really win them. I mean, what did we decide last week? Right, the last time they won an actual Big Ten, it's like 1979, shared with Michigan State. So, I just a disappointment. I mean, they've got another team that has like a seventh-year senior that'll be gone that can fill threes from all over the gym. But you live by the three, you die by the three. I mean, there's just that's Murphy's law, right? There's a reason why teams typically shoot in the low to mid 30s percent because it's just not a high percentage shot, right? It's a better it's a better shot to take than an 18 footer, but. Iowa lives and dies by it. Um, you know, they arguably will have probably most of their key guys back, but I don't know. This was seemed like it was kind of a special run for them, so I don't know. You know, I don't know if, Ryan, if you think anything else happens, No. you know, with Iowa. But. No, I mean, I, they need to look at themselves in the mirror. Next year, they lose a lot. Yeah, the other one in the Iowa game was they had a steal and a putback that should have been an and one um, when they were trying to fight back. I remember I had that in my notes. Yep. Um, interesting. Illinois against Chattanooga. These are just some other Big Ten notes that I had. Had been 0 for its last 14 tournament games when down in the tourney at the half. Um, and they only led 25 seconds of that game against Chattanooga, but they, they broke that streak. Um, uh, let's see if I got anything else in Big Ten and then we can move on. I talked about the T... Yeah, that's just, that's kind of, that's the general, I mean, minus, again, Michigan's been handed the keys, but I'm trying to stay away from that, because it just, that raises my heart rate, and cholesterol, and blood pressure, and everything mm-hmm. else, and it's not a good thing, so. Um, oh, this, I will say this about Joey going off against Davidson, kind of reminded me of my co-host going career in the MIAA tourney <laughs> last year against Adrian, stepping up in the biggest moments when it matters the most. All right. That's the Big Ten. It's a lot of tournament coverage, but we got all the the brackets to go. Um, Ryan, let's start with the West. Give me your give me kind of your overview of what happened. We don't have to go game by game, and then what you're seeing going into this weekend. Yeah, um, you know Gonzaga struggled early in that game against Georgia State. They opened it up easy. Boise State, Memphis. Memphis was more athletic than that gets me to the Gonzaga-Memphis game, which we, we talked about. We kind of wanted to see that. Um, and Memphis gave them a game. They really did. It was it was pretty dang good um, for the most part. You know, really athletic teams, a lot of, you know, a lot of talent out there in the court, potential. Um, Gonzaga is just too much for him. Timmy had, what, 24 in the second half? He was unbelievable. Unstop. I mean, he's, he's got, got like such an array shot. of post moves. He was killing it. That, that game was phenomenal. Uh, a great way to end um, the Saturday night there. Um, and then, then you look at, you know, UConn, New Mexico State. We kind of we thought that could be an upset, and it was. It was a grinder. Um, New Mexico State just, you know, they, they Teddy Allen had, what, 38 points. He went crazy um, talking crap left and right with those tats. Arkansas, um, you know, could have lost to Vermont. Vermont played played pretty well. That's, a, that's an upset that I picked. Didn't make great, didn't make enough plays on the stretch. Arkansas is a good defensive team. 
And then Arkansas, same thing against New Mexico State, just survived off of, you know, playing defense and making the game ugly. I don't think they have a fighting chance against Gonzaga, if I'm going to be completely honest with you. I think they're too much of a one-man show. Uh, we'll probably do predictions later. Um, Texas Tech blew out. That we don't even need to talk about that. Alabama, disappointing team. He, Nate Oates already has three guys that are on his roster in the transfer portal. And then they, when they played their game, I think it was Friday, um, they had a shooter. This on, is unbelievable. Shooter on the night before, three guys showed up. And then they had a shooter on the next morning, one guy showed up. For, quote, voluntary, which means be there. And, by the way, it's the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Like, is the culture problem? I asked Ryan this question today. Is the culture problem with Oates or is it with the guys that he brought in? I, I kind of want to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's done really well wherever he goes. Right. Something needs to change there, though. That's, yeah, that's that is rough. not a good look. And, then and hey, credit Notre Dame. Notre, Notre Dame, Dame, Cormac, Ryan. I was really Paul impressed Atkinson. with Notre Dame. Oh, Cormac Ryan had a great three three games in the tournament. He was mm-hmm. unbelievable, unconscious. He played great against Tech, and you know that was um, Notre Dame kind of got screwed. Was they under- made a three after it, but did you were we watching together, Ryan? When they they reset the shot clock to thirty, and it should have been twenty off an offensive rebound. Yeah, and the ref stopped it as Notre Dame scored to fix the clock. Now he's supposed to, and Notre Dame scored a three anyway, so whatever. But another example of a ref getting it wrong. And there was another time when the flat out he was above the ground calling timeout with both hands and the ball in his elbows and they didn't grant it yeah at a key juncture in the game so that was i i was super impressed with notre dame though um, yeah they showed, showed you how you can build out of the Mike transfer Bray's portal a, a little coach. bit because their bet their best big was from yale yep and then ryan was actually a stanford transfer mm-hmm. a few years back um you know texas tech survives that one elite eight match with duke uh, you know obviously beat michigan state and then easy Pretty easy win over Cal State Fullerton. That I'm excited for. I mean, those are. I mean, that's chalk. Obviously, one, four, two, three. Yeah, the only one that's chalk. Yeah. Yeah, and I, the Duke and, and Texas Tech game's exciting. Um, you know, really, Duke's very talented, and Texas Tech played well together. Um, defense never rests um, down there in Lubbock. So we'll see what happens there. Um, that's what I've got in the West. I don't know if you have anything else. I uh, no, I think you covered most of it. I mean, I was. Uh... We had an Imani Bates sighting. He came in for yep. all of a couple minutes on in the game against Boise and nailed a three and then played but not a ton uh, against Gonzaga. Don't know what his future is, but he, he's not ready for the league by any stretch. We've been over that a million times on the pod, but super impressed by Gonzaga and the way that they kind of rallied the troops down 10 at the half. Um, you know, I've kind of said all along, even as the number one overall seed, that I thought they had the toughest draw. It shows because there's the only one that's chalk. Um, I still like Gonzaga to come out of there. I like Gonzaga to, to beat Arkansas pretty handily. And then I like Texas Tech to claw one out over Duke. And then Gonzaga to beat Texas Tech, paying back for a few years ago. Are we so, doing predictions right now? Yeah, let's do that. The good news is for me is I still have my Elite Eight alive completely. This is the only region that I still have it alive. And I do have all four of my Final Four alive. I've got Gonzaga winning um, pretty easily, I think, by double digits. And I'm gonna. I said Texas Tech originally, but I think Duke's just they're too talented, and they want they want, they want more matchups like that. I, yeah, yeah. We get some, a Gonzaga hey, Duke. Rematch. We're a little jaded. We watched, what was that called last night, Ryan? Uh, that show bad that sport, bad sport. And the very first episode was about a point shaving at Arizona State, and it just kind of makes you pause a little. I'm not saying. I'm just saying, watch that. <laughs> You want a good 
hour and a half of TV, that's good. All right, let's move down to the East region. This one got blown up. Obviously, one gone Baylor, two gone Kentucky, lost to the Peacocks. Um, by the way, can we talk about what maybe on the surface seemed like a good gesture from NBC and the Peacock Network, you know, rallying, quote unquote, to getting the, the St. Peter's cheerleaders, which they couldn't afford to send to Indy in time for the second round game. Mind you, they didn't put them on an airplane, you know, because they didn't want to give up that much money. They just wanted bust the publicity. Them. They bust them on a 12-hour bus ride. Like, come on, that's Division Three. That's not like what you do in D1. So, whatever. Still a nice gesture, I guess. But um, unbelievable the way St. Peter's plays. Awesome. Not only that game, but then the way they came back and played a very athletic and good Murray State team. Uh, I mean, just fun to watch. Could they be the first 15 to ever advance to the Elite Eight? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, we were close last year with Oral Roberts. They're only the third one to get there to begin with. Uh, maybe, but you know, Purdue's obviously got a huge size advantage over them. But on the same token, Purdue, while their path was cleared a little bit, at least potentially to the Elite Eight, was it? Right? Like, are they going to feel more pressure? I don't know. That's going to be a fun one to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, St. Mary's UCLA, I thought, was a good game. UCLA, uh, who was it that went with? Hockwes. Hockwes went he's, down. He's doing all right. Okay, though. so he's doing all right. I, I do like They UC, almost did lose to Akron. That was close. Yeah, and I have, I mean, I have UCLA. I had them in my Final Four. I have them in Elite Eight. Um, I think that game with UCLA-UNC is a blue blood game all the way. I mean, that's going to be a great, great matchup. Yeah, North um, Carolina showed a lot of gumption. Um, mm-hmm. i really, really Definitely good. the most underseeded eight. I mean, talk about, like, put them in the sixth six slot and make, them, make Michigan play them. Michigan already, already got, got waxed by them once this year. So, for me, I, you know, just that's a, a breeze through. I mean, Texas looked solid. I mean, if not for so many free throws, I mean, they kept, they kept fighting against was a heck of a game. Oh, that was yeah, Booyah or whatever his name for San Francisco. Just thirty six points just went off. Yeah, that was fun. Um, fun to watch. You know, some key injuries I think for Murray State with some ankles and stuff like that. But that was yeah, that was one of the late games, but a fun one to watch on Thursday. What, a Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I like. Purdue over St. Peter's. It would not surprise me if St. Peter's kept it close because, look, Kentucky's a big, athletic, talented, NBA-laden team, and and the boys from Jersey just don't have any, you know, they're, they're all right with a street fight. So yep. I don't know what the spread is, but that one's going to be closer. But I do think Purdue will get that. And then 12 and a half. And UCLA, UNC, the way UNC's been playing, I still think UCLA, they're coming together at the right time. They've got those veteran guys. They've been there. They were there last year. Mick is a great coach. Um, coach. I'm hoping in you know three, five years, whenever Izzo steps down, maybe that's a guy that Michigan State goes after. But I've, I've got UCLA, Purdue, and I originally had UCLA, so I'm going to stick with UCLA in the Final Four. Yep, I'm going uh, going Purdue. I didn't predict a Final Four team out of the West. I'm going to say I'll say Gonzaga. Um, and then um, East, I'm going to go UCLA and Purdue to win. And then I'm going to say UCLA because um, they're just more consistent. So we're matched up so far. We're going to rematch. All right, let's go to the South. Um, you know, not only two, two um, I had two wrong. Not really any upsets there. So we had Chalk, nine seed, which nine's upset. It's eight's more than anything. Chalk, Chalk, Michigan was not an upset because they were favored. So don't at me on that. Tennessee um, shot lights out from three against Longwood. Obviously, didn't in the second round, which we talked about. 
Loyola was a little bit of a surprise, albeit Ohio State was favored. And as good as Loyola's defense is, Ohio State's even better that day, if that's yep. possible. Still, definitely on the Drew Valentine bandwagon. Yep. Um, really impressed. They just had one of those things where their best player just didn't. He just didn't have a very didn't good game. It. He was missing at the rim. Like, what'd you say, Ryan? You've never seen so many missed layups in, in a tournament. Uh, yeah, there's so many. I mean, I was like had a body count for missed bunnies from Michigan State in one of my games at least. Just, I mean, it's just amazing how how much they're missing. Teams are missing at the rim. Um, you know, Villanova, very very solid team. Yeah, they're you just know, good. I think because of their coaching, because they're the most, they're by far, in my opinion, the most fundamentally sound team. I mean, they're they're gonna they're gonna be. Um, the the best free throw shooting team in NCAA history. Um, you know if they shoot above seventy five percent in the next game or whenever their season's to end. So that's and if they fair. start calling the hack, aka Dickinson, um, Villanova could be going to the line a lot. But uh, I'll say you know I think we talked a little bit about the other games. Houston very impressive. So key here's kind of a fun stat. Ryan and I heard this and I had to look it up. Can you believe? Now, Houston was in the Final Four last year. They This is like their third Sweet 16 in a row or something like that. They had not beaten a single-digit seed since 1984 with five Slamma Jamma. 1984. Like, really? Are you kidding me? I mean, well, I guess that wasn't five Slamma Jamma. That was 83 that was five Slamma Jamma. But still, I mean, they still had a larger one. Um I mean, seriously, like they hadn't beaten. Put just put that perspective. Think about it. now. They're not in the tournament every year, and they went on a run where they weren't in the tournament, but hadn't beaten a single digit seed. And they finally did against Illinois, and they did it in impressive fashion. And man, they smothered the hell out of you on defense. They had some really athletic plays in that game. They're athletes. I think they're the kind of team that could give Arizona trouble. You know, I was kind of big on all the Ken Palm and this and that and the other thing, you know, earlier as we were leading into the tournament. I don't remember all the things, but basically there's one team left that holds the two Ken Palm, top 40 offense, top 20 defense. Some in like two or three other statistics, there's one team that falls in all these camps um, and has beaten the seed better than them, blah, 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 and it's Houston. Like that statistically, Houston might be your favorite right now. I don't necessarily think they're going to beat Arizona because no. Arizona's mighty damn talented. But, I mean, TCU showed you there's a recipe, and TCU plays strong, smothering defense, just like Houston does. So sure do. That'll be a great Sweet 16 matchup. I would say Arizona's going to win there, and I refuse to say that Michigan's going to go any further because they shouldn't have been here to begin with. So I've got Villanova, Arizona, and then sticking with my original Final Four pick, Arizona. Same. All right, and let's last move to the Midwest where – my bracket was blown up. I had three first-round games right. Um, you had a nine, another nine winning with Creighton, who then battled Kansas. You had Iowa going down. I picked you know, one of my upsets, South Dakota State. Battled against Providence. There was kind of a, a leg kick-out you know, yeah, there late. That was a rough either. miss um, that they called in the end one on, made three free throws, kind of sealed the deal. LSU was kind of a train wreck going in, so not a huge surprise. Definitely surprised that Iowa State beat Wisconsin. I would say didn't certainly didn't help that. Um, uh, what's his name went down with an injury. Hep, Hepburn, yeah, um, his foot. USC Miami was a battle of just freakish athletes. Yeah, that was a crazy. And Miami game. was super impressive in the way they handled Auburn and good riddance, Bruce Pearl, you cheating bastard. 
Um, Another just embarrassing showing. Yeah, and for the SEC. SEC and Big Ten go back to football is what it looks like. Um, you know, I just – like I, I have one team left in the Sweet 16 there, and that's Kansas – I mean, I think Providence maybe could battle, but I don't think Kansas has even come close to playing their best yet. Um, you know, in the bottom half, you got a 10 and an 11. I mean, talk about a paved road. Like, we talked about that for Purdue. I think it's paved for Kansas, and I got Kansas sticking with my original pick. Got Kansas coming out of the. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. Um, you know, I think that. Another game we didn't talk about, San Diego State-Creighton, that was pretty good. Yeah, that was right. a really Creighton good game. came yep. back, got the win. Creighton fought Kansas pretty tough. Um, Richmond-Providence, um, not even close. Iowa State, you know, they showed a lot um, in, in those two games there, grinding those out. But, I mean, you look at it, 11 versus 10. Uh, Miami's guard play, I think, gets them past Iowa State. Um, and Kansas-Providence, I hope it's a good game. I like Providence a lot. I like Ed Cooley. I like his, mm-hmm. his guys. But I think Kansas is... You know they're too good. Um, you know, get the win, and you know, and get to the ultimately get to the final four. So we're gonna have you know a little Kansas um, versus Arizona, a little blue blood matchup, and then uh, Gonzaga, a new blood versus uh, UCLA. UCLA. Blue blood, so yeah, that's my original final four. So I'm feeling at least some of my brackets that are hanging around towards last place have still have a chance, still have a chance at least. And before we move uh, into the sprint, because that covers all of our around the world spots a couple other just basketball notes this happened with FGCU when they went on their sweet 16 run a couple years ago like their percentage of applications spike and they've monetized the generation of money that St. Peter's has generated um, publicity wise since their tournament run 60 million dollars worth of publicity for a school that is basically like a, a suburban street they're, they play in Run Baby Run Arena that's smaller than DeVos Fieldhouse at Hope College. And, yeah, crazy stuff there. Um, another observation, this is kind of along my, could put this up in the top. People wearing masks to play in the band in games. Like, literally, no fans are wearing masks. A couple occasional kook refs are wearing masks. We're talking about band members playing their instruments with their masks on. I, I saw it. Cheerleaders with masks on. What? What? Why? What is the purpose of that? Optics on TV. I mean, come on. Like that pandemic was over two years ago. Please. Um, another observation that I had was, and I said this to Ryan when we were watching on Thursday. I felt a little bit for Loyola because these teams whose conference tournaments and they do it for TV purposes, right? Like the um, what are they playing again? Or they're changing the Atlanta. They were in the Missouri Valley. The Missouri Valley kind of owns that, you know, the that whole weekend before all the big boys kind of kick off. But I think that hurts. You know, they're a team that made a great run, uh, got in the tournament because they won their tournament. You know, they were arguably they might have gotten in as an at-large. They sat idle for 10 days, and these other teams came fresher off of it. And you could say, well, fresher legs, but I think rustier. I don't think that's a good thing. I think that conference should look at okay, let's maybe forego some of our TV revenue to to get some to get some wins in the dance instead. Um, you know, I mean, I think generally speaking, I'm just looking thumbing through my notes. I mean, I think that's pretty much uh, handles the rest. But I have one question for you, Ryan, and we talked yep. about this a little bit when we were watching games. Is the 
Kentucky lost to St. Peter's, the truly the biggest upset in NCAA history. I'm going to say it's no. I'd say it's because it's not 116, but I think it's the second because Kentucky's Kentucky. It's a blue blood. You know, they're expected to make a Final Four. They were borderline one seed um, and just have, like, the National Player of the Year is probably on their roster and other top draft picks, and they lost. And I know I know UVA was a one and 16-1. They, they I think they're both close. But UMBC close. really, for 30 minutes, owned that game against Virginia, and I would argue that that Virginia team – Okay, they were number one seed. I get it. They won the national title the next year. They were not as talented as this Kentucky team. They were not laden with NBA talent, nor had they won umpteen national titles or had the history of Kentucky. I will say that that St. Peter's win over Kentucky is the biggest upset in NCAA history. I get it. There have been other 215s. Michigan State was on the end of one. Missouri lost to Norfolk and Way State once as a two. But, again, that didn't even feel as much as as – this one by any margin. Uh, Hampton over Iowa State, that's not a blue blood. You know, Iowa State was really good as the year after Michigan State won the title and beat them in the Elite Eight. Um, another 215. Michigan State, you could say, is up there because Michigan State is in a blue blood, although not the same category as Kentucky. Um, Ohio State, Oral Roberts, that's, a, yeah, a 215. But, again, the I mean, Kentucky's loss to me was more shocking than any upset in tournament history. Uh, I just think it was. I mean, you can say 16-1 just because it's only been done one time, and now 12-15 I think has been done nine or ten times. But twice in the last two years, we've had 15s go to the Sweet 16. So parody, parody, parody in college basketball. Uh, if I'm a Kentucky fan, I just want to put my head in the bluegrass mountains and just wait until, I don't know, bourbon drinking season, which I guess is all season. I... I don't even know where do you go from there. Cal has not had much success. He's lately. been great. They're calling for his head. He's I don't know. Is he losing it? I don't know. Don't know. I just don't know. All right. Well, like we said, we're skipping golf. I will say this: I should have trusted my gut last week when I mentioned Burns because mm-hmm. uh, he ended up winning it. That would have been my back-to-back wins for me in golf. So he was my uh, shoulda, coulda, woulda pick um, that I didn't take. And we'll get back into the, how we're doing in golf next week when we get back into that because Masters is coming up. All right, Ryan. So let's end it with a sprint as we always do. And we'll, we'll do one sprint question on golf. And I have not looked at this at all, so I don't know the draws. But who wins the match play this weekend? Um, I'm going to go with Scotty Scheffler. He was runner-up last year, and he's hot. He's been playing well. I'm going to go JT. I presume JT's playing. Yeah, he's playing. He's been playing really well. I think he's had three or four top fives in the last couple really weeks or in the last several weeks. So, all right, best announcer pairing for the March Madness tournament. Uh, that's that's a good question. I, I mean, anyone with Kevin Harlan, I think, is great. I, I think he's way better. He's with than Bonner, James. right? Bonner Harlan. and Reggie. Yeah. Yeah, I them think. or e- I, Iron Eagle, I think is really, really. Yeah, good. Yeah, he's too. really good. I, I cannot stand Jim Nance and those guys anymore. They're and they, can you stop putting them CBS wherever they Duke goes? Go where they Duke go goes. wherever Duke they goes. Like, puppies. like uh, puppy dogs. Grant Hill doesn't bother me. I love Raft, but he's getting kind of up there. I wish they'd put Clark Kellogg back on terrible. the sideline. Jim Nance is a great he's, golf commentator. He's a great football guy. I just don't think he's. He's a little too flowery for he basketball. Do ba- I mean, he only does basketball in the tournament. That's all he does. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think Kevin Harlan's got such a stellar voice too. I just, I, in better his phrases energy. and his energy, I, I, 
I don't, I don't need the Masters in the, during the NCAA. That You're phenomenal at the Masters, Jim, but not there. So I would agree with Ryan's picks there. All right, this is a little trickier one. We'll throw it out there because you got to think on the fly. MOP, most outstanding player of the opening rounds. Good question. Um, looking at the teams here real quick. I got two myself while you're looking. I've got two um, as well. Go, give me. Drew Timmy, Benedict Matherin. Yeah, I definitely Timmy because he had what thirty something, then twenty. I mean, like close to thirty balls twice in a row. Yeah. And I can't, I can't remember his name, but the dude for St. Peter's, not Eater, not Doug, uh, the other guy oh, that's just like the walking no. stat stuffer, stat sheet yeah, stuffer. I, I'll, I'll find his name. I, I mean, watch him against Purdue. You'll know who I'm talking about. The, he blocks shots. He scores at the rim. I mean, the defo. Yeah, I just. Unbelievable for pound for pound his ability. Like he six, is just seven, been outstanding in the tournament, um, and he's right up there for me as well. And all right, we'll end with this one: best play of the tournament so far. Mm, I'll stick with Benedict Math and that dunk that he had was that was sick, was filthy. There's been so many. I mean, literally, we watched. I figured it out. Forty parts of forty eight games, forty eight hours of basketball. Uh, Mom was probably not all that happy, and that's why the girls are are in Orlando because they're tired of watching us being like sucked into the couch. Four, four, two, two. Yeah, not as many games, but I mean, there's so many great plays that I don't even know what stands out the most to me. To be honest, I mean, not any huge buzzer beaters per se. Some great dunks, some great plays. I don't know. I'm going to chicken out and not pick one because I don't really have one off the top of my head that stands out as the, like, signifier of this tournament, I would say, per se, except for maybe some of the ref screw-ups. Yeah. All right, Ryan, close us out with a little bit of social media update. Uh, Final score 35, you know the drill. That's all I got. Yeah, and check out how you're doing in the – I think we ended up with seven or eight – Groups in the yep. in our bracket contest. So again, prize of unspeakable value. We'll figure it out for whoever billions. wins. Uh, maybe billions in monopoly money or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But anyway, uh, just a reminder. Shout out to our presenting sponsor, Team Anders Realtors. Really appreciate their title sponsorship. If you have realty needs here in West Michigan, Jim, Donna, Tim, team, just fantastic people to in general and great to work with. We know so many people that have um, been able to buy and sell homes through them successfully. Go to teamanders.com to get yourself started. Meantime, remember, as Ricky Bobby once said, if you ain't first, you're last.